opportunities, new partners, EG Tax. Hey everybody, this is the Tax Lady and this is our podcast to talk about taxes. We're in full swing with the tax season right now and um, we just want to make sure that we're keeping you abreast on everything that you should know about taxes and even though you might think that taxes are boring, it's really not because it's a lot of money. And I'm joined in, in studio here with Chris Fabian. Hey, Chris. Hello, Esther. Hello, Chris. All right. So, you know, I thought we'd talk about something that I think everybody doesn't even pay attention with, and that's filing status. Right. And that's really important, isn't it? Oh, it is. It dictates, dictates the whole return. <laughs> Can't talk. Too much talking during the day. And that's for sure. And it's snowing like crazy here in Buffalo. So I'll tell you, we got a big blizzard going on. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so so there's basically five filing statuses. And, and depending upon which filing status you fit into, and I will tell you, there's an opportunity many times to fit into a status that you would think that you don't fit into because it would save you money. Um Everything, like Chris says, the return dictates. It, it, it dictates the phasing out of deductions. It dictates the amount that you can put into your IRA based upon your filing status if you're doing an IRA contribution. It, it dictates what, what tax bracket you're in about how much your standard deduction might be uh, and so what, on and so forth. What, what credits you're available, are available to you. Right, and uh, when they phase out. Yep. Right. So it's really important. All right. So there's five filing statuses. The first one would be single. Right. And that would be pretty simple. As what you are as of December 31st is what you are on your tax return. So, okay. So uh, let's say a couple gets divorced on December the 28th. And they might think, well, we were married for most of the year. So we should file married. But that's not true. No. Nope. At December 28th, that means they're single for the whole year. For the year. whole year. Yep. Right. So that's one. Second is married filing a joint return. So that means that you were legally married as of December the 31st, and you have the option as a married couple to combined all of your income and all of your deductible expenses and all the credits that you're entitled to take and put them on one tax return. Right? Right, right. But now let's, you know, because this is what we do, we dive into things. What if the husband passed away on December 28th? She, right. I mean, you would think the common part, well, that means I'm single, but not not with the IRS. Right. The year of the death of a spouse, you are considered married the whole year. So you still get to file one more joint return. Right. So if you want to put all of your income and expenses and file jointly and assume the tax liability equally, right? Because when you file a joint return, you pledge under penalties of perjury that you accept this return that you're doing together and you have an, a joint obligation if you have a balance due to pay the liability. Right. Right? Yep. Unless? Unless you file an injured spouse. Right. And what would that be? That, that would mean that your husband or wife is, has a broken arm. Just <laughs> kidding. No, it's when you went into a marriage and that your spouse has owes child support, student loans, IRS, 
<coughs> or other state agencies. So prior to the marriage, the debt existed. Not after the marriage, prior to the marriage. So then you can do the form 8379 and say, hey, wait, you can take her money or his money, but leave mine alone. And so all of the benefits of filing a joint return is still available to you. But that negative thing that the one spouse might have, like child support or outstanding student loans, where they would garnish the entire refund, only pertains to the non-obligated spouse, uh, to the obligated spouse, the one who has the obligated debt. The non-obligated spouse, that's why it's called the non-obligated spouse form, uh, would be off the hook. And so the benefits of filing a joint return are there, but only one of you, uh, if one of you has a, an obligation, you do that that injured uh, non-obligated spouse uh, form injured spouse form, excuse me. And you, what would happen is is you get the benefits, but n- not none of the repercussions. Right, right. Like, for instance, if you're filing, married filing a separate return, you could not take a child care deduction, a right. dependent care deduction. Right. Uh, which this year is really a lot of money because it's 50% of the amount that you pay. Right, definitely. Our earned income credit. Married filing separate, you don't get that. And that's a lot of money. And that's, you know, so maybe the person who owes the money doesn't work. And so the other person is working, makes $20,000, has three kids. She files or he files separate. They get the child tax credit and that's it. Right. And no earned income credit. No earned and income no daycare credit. credit. Right. So they could be. Passed. So it's really important. If you're that you think about these things, and so many times people will say, "Well, I'm just going to file. I'm going to have them file. I'm going to file single, and I'm going to have my spouse file head of household." It doesn't work like that. Once you're married and you're legally married as of December the 31st, you have two options: married filing a joint return, married filing a separate return, unless your spouse left the house before the midpoint of the year. And in that ca- and you have children living with you, and in that case, you're considered single for tax purposes. How's that for a tongue twister? Yeah, th- this is easy. I should, you know, people should do their own taxes. Yeah, right. I mean, it's it's on. You know, these are things you got to think about, and you know, but I did it before. Like that doesn't mean it's right. Right. And if you get audited, you're in big trouble because yep. then you're going to owe up back all all that money. So so. If you're legally married as of December 31st, you're married and your options are married filing a joint return, married filing a separate return. But if you file married filing a separate return, you cannot do an earned income credit and you cannot do a daycare credit and you cannot take student loan interest. Right, right. And so I think those are three negative are things. Out of the way, too. Pardon me? College credits. Right. Yeah. So there's, so there's, a, there's a big, big negative with married filing a separate return. So if you can, if you can use the injured spouse form, like Chris was talking about, then you get the benefits with none of the negative repercussions. Right, right. Okay, so we got single, married filing a joint return, married filing a separate return. Then the other filing status is head of the household. Now, people just think, well, I'm paying rent. <laughs> I bought a house. Right. I should be head of the household because I, I, I am the head of my household. Right, right. Unfortunately, that doesn't count. Head of household is where you supported your child 
or uh, uh, could be your sibling, could be your parent, for more than six months during the year. And then you are considered head of household. And and to further complicate it, you it has to be a dependent, right? Unless it's a child. So it so like for instance, if you supported your mother in your home and your mother's your dependent, then you can be and you're single, then you can be head of the household. However, if you have a child that lives with you, but your former spouse has the right to claim that child, even though the child is not claimed by you, if the child lives in your house, you can be head of the household. Yes. So you really have to know, you have to think about these things. And the important thing is, if you're head of the household, then you have a preferential filing status to single. And so what would that mean, Chris? The credits are available for a higher income. The, the tax rates start jumping up the more money you make. So single, it goes married separate is the worst, then single, then head a household, then married joint for right. how the order of the- And, and, this, and the standard deduction is over, is over $18,000 if you're head of the household. If you were single, it would be mid-12s. Mid Twelves, yep. So, so you're getting an extra $6,000 deduction because you're head of the household. So so think about it. If you're a single person with a qualifying individual that lives in the house and a qualifying individual would be your child that lives in your house that does you aren't necessarily claiming but could be claimed on your return as a dependent because they're claimed by their other by the other's parent or a qualifying relative and relative stops with cousin Correct. So a relative, like a niece, a nephew, a, a mom, a dad, would have to live in your house and have income, earned income under $4,000. And um, actually, I think it's 4400 this year. Right. $4,400. And... Uh, and you're furnishing over 50% of their total support, that would be, and they're your dependent, that would give you the right to move from single to head of the household. Right, right. And there can only be one head of household in a house. Well, so, that makes sense to me, though. But how many people? I know. You know, but so if you're a boyfriend, girlfriend, and you have two kids together, and one makes 60000 and the other makes 15000 you're thinking, well, I'm going to do a head of household, give... 15,000 the head of household with the two children so they get all these tax benefits the IRS is going to look at the addresses and say you're not head of household and they're going to back away the head of household and they're going to back away the children and you possibly could lose all those benefits for 10 years yeah and the, and the other thing is what's really frustrating is now with the shortage of help at the internal revenue service because of covid and all this other stuff you don't want to get into a place where you have to get somebody to finally understand what you're talking about. Because if they did disallow, and then you get a letter of disallowance, now you have to prove your case. And you don't want to get into that mess. If you can keep it so that you aren't in a in a mess with the IRS, where they're disallowing, you got to prove stuff, it makes a lot more sense. So, right. so two people claiming claiming head household in the same household doesn't work. It's not a good idea. Right. No. No. All right. And then the last filing status is a sad one. It's qualifying widower. Right. With dependent dependent child. child. So a qualifying widower means that 
in the year of death of your spouse, you would file a joint return. You have the option to file a joint return. Subsequent for the next two years, you can use the filing status qualifying widower if you have a dependent child that is living in your home and you're claiming them as a dependent, because then you get the increased standard deduction, the increased phase-out deductions, the increased phase-outs on the tax credits. And so it's a great status to be in if you find yourself in that situation where your spouse died. Right. It's like giving you all the benefits of still being married uh, for the tax credits and all that. Right. So those are the five filing statuses and everything runs from from the filing status. So it's really important. And if you find that when you're listening to this this, uh, podcast that you did have a relative in your home or you never knew about your injured spouse, and you've been kind of shooting yourself in the foot all these years, filing as married, filing a separate return when you and because your spouse might have owned owed child support or student loans. You can go back and amend three years returns for the federal, for yep. the federal, not for New York State. No, New York State gives you ten days from the notice they took your that's refund. That's so nice of them, isn't, isn't it? it? Yeah. Yep. So that's really important. So you can amend, and for anything you hear on our podcast, if you find out that you, when you were doing your return that you did it incorrectly, we hope you will straighten it out. You can go back and straighten out the mess for three years uh, from the, the due date of actually three, three tax years, and you can get back the money plus interest. Right. So, I mean, it's a tremendous tool. It's, it's a nice thing to have in your back pocket. Right. You know. So thought I would talk about that. Then the other thing that I wanted to mention um, today was the earned income credit. And I think I've seen some of the happiest people in the world this year who never got earned income credit before. Yeah. And so if you're a senior, for instance, maybe working part-time at the country club in the summertime, making five or $6,000 and your other income is relatively low, you could qualify for the enhanced earned income credit, even though you don't have children. And that earned income credit can be over a thousand dollars, which is wonderful. It used to only be $340 for a single person with no kids. I mean, they really expanded. I know I got a call today from somebody. I love your commercials. And can you explain that senior thing with $800? And so I had to go over the earned income credit and he qualified. And he's like, wait a minute. Yeah. How come I didn't before? Because, because it, wasn't it wasn't in the, the law. law. Right. Because part part of the, the situation here, as we're kind of, it's kind of like unscrambling eggs. There are so many things in the tax code this year. Like for instance, the... Um, the stimulus, I just tonight did a stimulus for a, a newborn child. So the mom and dad got the stimulus money. They got twenty. They got $2,800 for the two of them. But the baby wasn't part of the stimulus package. So tonight they got $1,400 when we did their return. Plus they the got, they also got credit. the full child care credit, child tax credit of 3600 And they had paid for uh, babysitting, they had paid for daycare, and they got 50% of the amount that they paid for their daycare provider. So they ended up with over $8,000, and they they were pretty happy. Did they say, oh, I think we're going to have another baby? <laughs> I know. There's a lot of people that feel like that. Because I know that happened in my office today. 
<laughs> That's for sure. So the earned income credit is available regardless of your age, as long as you're working, even if you don't have children in your home. Right, right. Now, some miracle no. happens if you have children. Right. Yeah. Well, that is always a childbirth is always <laughs> a, miracle, a miracle. Right. But, you know, if you're listening and you have questions, you can give us a call here at 716-632-7886. We're here basically nine in the morning to nine at night every day, but Sundays. That's correct. So anytime you have questions, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. Or you can go to egtax.com and ask the tax lady and you'll get a response that way too. Absolutely. And the other thing is, um, you can, uh, if you if you are out of the area, out of Western New York, in in the state of New York, anywhere in the country, I was doing a national uh, broadcast this morning, and uh, the gentleman interviewing me saying, well, what do you do if you're not in Buffalo? Hey, it, it's nothing anymore. You just let us know. You want to do a virtual return? We have you upload the documents to our portal. We give you a call. You can do it with Zoom. You can do it over the phone. We'll get everything done. We'll we'll email you over the signature forms. You get them back to us with a, a proof of who you are, and we get it done. And you got quality tax help, and our fees are so reasonable. Oh, unbelievable. People are blown away by how reasonable we are yeah. that are used to going to other national firms. Right. Like, usually we're more than half. Yep, yep. And I know, like you're saying, virtual, I had somebody... I, I wish I could have came in sooner. I'm on my way to Florida, and I saw his car in the parking lot, and it was packed. He literally was getting his taxes done and driving to Florida right after his taxes. He goes, I said, why don't you just go to Florida in January and email me everything? I can do that. That's right. So Our that's portal is great because yep. it's a secure portal, and you get and you get quality tax help, reasonable fees, and, you know, if you're listening to us, you can trust us. Right. Right. Yep. All right, so let's talk about the earned income credit for people with children. So what if I have five children? Do I get a lot more earned income credit? It cuts off at three children. Right. So the earned income credit for people with children can get, with with the New York State, for instance, it's over $8,000 that you would get between the two. Uh, so it's a gigantic way of the federal government assisting people who have modest income that have a home for children, that children live in their home. In a situation where, let's say, a mother of a child and the the child and the parents of the mother of the child, so the mother, the baby, and the grandparents all live together, Let's say that mom and dad, the grandparents, make fifty or sixty thousand dollars. the The mother of the child makes eight thousand dollars, and the baby, of course, makes nothing. Who would claim the earned income, the child for the earned income credit, and or and who actually can claim the child? Who is the determining factor? Well, it goes to the natural parent first. So that would be the mommy. That would be the mom. Um, mom determines. If mom says, I think grandma can claim the baby, then she can give the right to claim to have grandma claim the baby. But if mom and grandma both claim, mom's going to win in the in the IRS Absolutely. law. Absolutely. And when you really take a look, and, and sometimes it just requires all the family just to get together while the return is being prepared, so they can see that if the grandparents 
who wouldn't qualify for the earned income credit because they made too much money, right? right? All they're going to get is $500 for that child. 3000 Excuse me, 3000 I'm sorry. All they're going to get is that $3,000 for the child, whereas the mother would get the 3000 well, if it's a baby, it's be thirty six hundred, right? And the earned income credit. So the mother might be in line to get eight or nine thousand, where the grandparents are only going to get three thousand. So or thirty six hundred. Well, and with the five hundred dollars, it's a little more. <laughs> but so it's four thousand. But in situations like that, if you have to say to the family, "Do you care as a family unit?" Right. Or, or are is this just becoming a tug of war about I just want the money? Right, right. You got to do what's best for the family. You know, I know that's, you know, we have a lot of, with that with college kids, you know, where the college kids want to claim themselves. And in the event of a single parent, that means had a household and earned income credit is gone. Is gone. So where the child may gain $500 the parent will lose $5,000. Right. So what's better for the family? And I know the child normally doesn't like hearing that, but... And and the thing is, I think what is unlovely about taxes is that it's unlovely. Uh, but when, for me, as a, as a tax specialist, it's about how can I get the best result for my taxpayer? And I want to think about it. And I want to think about if the daughter, if the mommy of the baby is going to make more money than grandma and grandpa, even though they're all living in grandma and grandpa's house. The best thing for this family unit would be for the mommy to claim the little girl, even though they're living with grandma and grandpa. Right. And she would be single. And she, right. And claim the baby. Right. Because grandma and grandpa probably have are, are, well, yeah. it's their household. Yep. So, but that's part of the complexity. So if you're somebody that's found yourself with your Maybe your daughter in the house with a, uh, the daughter is now pregnant, has a baby, and you're thinking, well, I've supported them all year. Understand that the, if the mother of the child has some wages, she would get the earned income credit plus the child tax credit. And if the, she had daycare, the daycare credit. So it can be a lot of money. And that's something that the family should look at. And if you have questions and you want to go to our website, you can go to egtax.com, ask the tax lady. We're happy to help you. And you'll find on there all of our office locations and phone numbers. And if you want to just call and ask a question to our staff in person, you can do that. Well, over the phone, you can do that too. Yep. We'll do that live. We'll do that live. So give you an example. So a single person with a 19-year-old child who's in college with wages of $40,000, if he lets the kid claim himself, then then the kid's tax liability is going to be thirty six twenty. If he has withholding of four thousand, he gets a refund of three eighty. But if he but if the single person claims his child instead of letting the child claim himself, then he becomes head of the household. His tax liability drops to twenty two sixty. He gets an education credit, a dependent credit, and um, the uh, educate the the. 
yeah, education credit, the dependent credit, and some small earned income credit, and there would be a change of $4,620. So that's a lot of money, and that's something you got to think about before you do your tax return. Right. So don't just think because the numbers are right, and it's mathematically correct that it's a correct answer. Until next week, I'm Esther Gullius, the tax lady from EG Tax with Chris Fabian. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. New friends, new opportunities. New-